Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, Let's yeah. get down to business and talk some Miami heat. Well, before we begin, I would like to make a disclaimer. This is not going to be a clean episode because of something that happened in the Denver game. We're recording post-game of the Heat's loss to the Denver Nuggets, 113-96. to It was a bad night overall for... Everybody on the Heat, especially Kyle Lowry, who went, I believe, scoreless, and, and he didn't score a single field goal. Bam wasn't, didn't play really well. The only guy that really showed up, showed up was Jimmy Butler. He had 31, 5, and 8. But yeah, everybody else, they, Markeith Morris had some good moments there scoring the ball. And yeah, let's get into it. Kenneth, to add, towards the end of the game, we... When people here listen to this tomorrow, yeah, we, you know, fucking Nikola Jokic, he went right at Markeith Morris, who had his back turned. I know Markeith had not to had cut you off. Fa- I was wondering why you were being so polished, man. You kind of like, you kind of like, you know, ramped yourself up. Just get into it. We already know what we need to say here. Tell them what's on your mind, JJ. Don't, 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 don't be clean. Don't be polished. Somebody yeah, needs clean- to say it. Yeah, the clean label's been removed for this episode. Which is unusual, but hey, here we go. What the fuck is that? That listen, I know that Markeith like fouled him. Yeah, it was a, it was a hard foul. Took it took an elbow to the ribs. I and I think Bam got fouled in the previous play. And yeah, sure, Markeith could he have not done that? Of course. But Mark, what Nikola Jokic did, the man was playing with another guy's fucking livelihood. He went after him. And with his back turned, that's a bitch move. You don't, you don't, if you want to confront somebody, do it face to face. Don't go after somebody with their back turned. That's a bitch ass move. You know it's what I'm saying? It's not called come back in them. It's not called come back in them, JJ. It's called confronting them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, w- what I, yeah, everybody was, oh, you, you saw some people in town. Oh, yeah, nobody on the heat tried to serve him. Hell no. Jimmy was ready for all the smoke. It's just that they were holding him back. And the, and the man went and sat down. You know what? I'm looking for November 29th in Miami. You know UD is gonna get in the in at the beginning of the game, and they're gonna. I hope he fouls the fuck out of Nikola Jokic and throws him to the ground because that's what he deserves. He lost a ton of respect for him tonight. He's not that sure. I I admired him for his style of play, but no, I don't admire shit about that guy anymore. Fuck him. I I mean, you said exactly what I was thinking, JJ. My thing about it is this. Um, yeah, Keith fouled him hard on the previous, you know, on the previous, I guess the previous action right before he chief shot at Keith. But when you look at it, he saw Keith coming the whole way. Keith hit him head on. And here's the thing about it. If you look at the way Jokic plays, and I wanted to say this all night, but I just never gotten around to saying it because you don't want to bo- you don't want to quite say that he plays dirty, but he plays crafty to a point where he he does a lot of little sneaky stuff that are violations that he gets away with and i'll give you an example and that's why you saw bam and everybody else kind of flailing 
anytime they boxed him out. Well, what he does is he's so compressed in there and everybody's boxing him out, two and three bodies, that he either has a sneaky way of holding on to the guy that's boxing him out or what he does is he takes his elbow and he puts it on top of your shoulder so that you can't move until he gets ready to move. So, I mean, if you, and again, I had been wanting to say that all night, and then when you see him do some stuff like that to Keith, at first you're thinking, well, maybe he's just crafty, overcoming his athleticism. But no, you can see now a lot of that stuff being rooted in the wrong thing, man. And when you look at the way that that all happened, you hit on it. I lost a lot of respect for the guy. The guy's a great ball player, but at the very least, confront the man in his face. Don't run up behind him because at the end of the day, you're still seven foot. You're still close to 300 pounds, whatever, whatever. So just as well as you could take that hit, you got to understand that when you apply that much pressure on somebody with that much momentum from the back unexpectedly, this going to do some damage. And if you'll notice at the end of it all, they were bringing out the cart to try to stabilize Keith. I guess he ended up making it off on his own, but they were bringing the cart out to try to stabilize him, checking his neck. You saw him wiggling his fingers. And it wasn't shocking after you thought about it because a man basically launched himself, a seven-foot, nearly 300-pound man just launched himself at his spinal cord. Yeah, and the way his head bobbed back after the hit, that was that could have gone much worse. I don't... I don't care how big you are. The head is still the most, probably the most susceptible part of, of the body to receive damage. It doesn't matter how big you are. Everybody's head is around the same. You receive a, a hit like that. It's going to it's gonna cause some damage, especially when, you, when your head goes back like that. And as you said, uh, seven foot, almost 300 pound guy running at you. He went at him full speed and just going at you from the back. That's just... That's unacceptable. I expect the NBA to suspend Nikola Jokic and probably Markeith because, you know, that's they are. And they, they ejected Markeith. Probably it was an unwarranted foul from Markeith. I would have maybe given him a pass. It was, man. And we're not giving him a pass. But let me ask you this, JJ. Had Nikola Jokic not retaliated with the cheap shot, is that a common or standard foul on Markeith? I dare to say they called it a common foul. Probably a flagrant one at most. At the very most, though, but the sequence and the way everything was moving right along to the free throw line, it was going to be a basic foul, bro. Yeah. It was a hard foul, I agree. And maybe they had a win and reviewed it after, you know, the whole hoopla, the coach Malone gets up in a roar, whatever, whatever. But nobody got out of, you know, bent out of shape about that crazy. Other than, of course, Jokic, who took it personally. I mean, this is the second time we have seen him just take random shit like that very personally and just demolish a guy. I mean, we saw it in the in the playoffs against Phoenix in the, I think it was the the game where they got eliminated, game four. I don't remember who it was, but I do remember he, he just lost it and rammed at somebody and he got ejected. So, anything else you want to comment on the situation? Because this was a really frustrating game. Bam looked like he almost got injured in one play. He, he banged knees with Jeff Green. He didn't look like himself all night, all night long. He reverted back to some of the old Bam ways of just looking for the handoffs and all. Almost all of our main guys struggled except for Jimmy Butler. Kyle Lowry was just a negative tonight. He was just nothing. Oh, yeah, he, he wasn't good at all, man. Nothing could fall. And I pointed it out early in the game as well. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, when you look at his final score line or his final stat line, and I'm talking about Monte Morris, it wasn't anything crazy. However, he finished with 14 points, five rebound, five assists, and three rebounds. Well, on the season, Monte Morris, the starting point guard for the Nuggets, is averaging like 10.6 points per game. He scored 10 in the first quarter. And as we mentioned, Cal Laurie didn't score anything. I mean, just, the, just for comparison's sake. I mean, the defense the defense was not there all night long for the Heat, for the entire team. It was just amazing to watch a Heat team just get demolished like that. And it's the second game in a row where the defense is not up to up to the task. Absolutely. I will agree with you um, for the totality of the game here. But when we get to the game we're going to get to next, I think they just had those lapses, which kind of takes me to my next point, man. And it kind of happened in the middle of the game versus Utah. If you look at the teams that have beaten us, Denver, Indiana, and Boston, none of those teams played great to beat us. Now, this says a lot about both sides, something positive and something negative. Neither of those teams played great to beat us. We just were so bad that we couldn't win. Then on the other side, we beat really good teams by flat out just being that much more great. So what we have to do is figure out at worst how to live on a middle ground, never be this bad, even if we're never, even if we're not going to be as good as we have been this season every night. Does that make sense? I see where you're coming from. And yes, I agree on the point that, listen, if we're going to lose, let's not just get demolished when you, when right. you, get, when you lose. Like except now, for the, the same time, except for that Indiana game, which on the yeah, final score, it doesn't look like a demolish, demolishing, but it felt like it because it didn't. Okay, I'll give you just you just said it. The final tally wouldn't indicate that it was as demoralizing and as much of a demolishing. But we watched that game and how it played out. And basically, although the effort never presented itself, say against Boston and against Denver, or at least until it was too late, we watched the effort deteriorate in increments as the game wound down against Indiana. So again, though not as great or maybe not for the entirety of the game, it was the same effect, you know? Yeah. So And and even and even though they were more productive in that game, which could speak to in speak towards Indiana, they weren't their sharpest and nowhere near their sharpest in that game. And I think that's all I'm hitting on. When they play when they play Boston, I mean, not Boston, when they play Brooklyn and Milwaukee even, even Utah for a lot of the game up until the point where they came back down from 19 points with five minutes left in the game, which we'll get to, we had seen a sharp Heat team. We had seen a team that no matter who was on the other side, the Miami Heat had a better chance to win. But like I said, it's just interesting that the polar opposite occurs when they lose games. Yeah, when they lose games, this team just looks discombobulated. They, they look lost out there for some reason and yeah now now to the Denver thing though man it's strange because that always happens in Denver which was another part of that whole equation that really confused me because as I mentioned in all of the losses this season they have looked like this however no matter which season it is typically in that first Denver game because they you know typically only go once but typically in that game where they go to Denver they also look like this so there's a little bit of both going on there because as I mentioned on previous episodes and as me and you have talked about whether it be on air or off air, going to Denver is never a good situation for Miami. Yeah. 
I mean, we kind of alluded to it in the previous spot that we were dreading this game because we kind of we kind of knew where this was going. However, I did not expect the game to end that way. That adds some flair to that November 29th matchup oh, in Miami. Oh, definitely, man. And and I hate to say this, right? But at that point, bro, I didn't even care about the result of the game. Oh yeah. I mean, took the whole And you always care, but it's like your care immediately went to what the f- you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody you needs can to put it. pause on the Joker. I, I know, man, but what the fuck? Somebody needs to put the pause on the Joker. Yeah, I hope I hope the Denver coaching staff says something to him because it's going to cost them. They're already without Michael Porter Jr. They're already there without Jamal Murray. And now they're going to be without Nikola Jokic, I expect, for multiple games. And this isn't the Denver podcast, but we, since you brought him up, we have to ask that question, man, because Eric Reed brought it up um, at the top of the podcast. It's like, I mean, I'm sorry, at the top of the broadcast on the game there, you have a guy out now, day to day, you don't know when he's going to be back, but you know he's going to miss some foreseeable time, as is described by the organization and the coach. With the back issue, who's had surgery on that same back, that you also just prematurely, twice. if I do say so myself, right, twice surgery on that back, who you just, if I say so myself, prematurely gave $142 million. Hmm. That's tough. Tough. And now they hit, uh, let's see the NBA statement tomorrow. Uh, Absolutely. I'm so fascinated to see. Oh, and back to Michael Porter Jr. He wasn't playing well even before he injured his back. And not to add, as you mentioned, in Jokic's situation, which is shorter. And I hope it totally screws him. I hope he gets the max. Oh, yeah. I would like to see what Silver comes up with tomorrow morning. Probably Morris, I, I don't know how long. He's going to be out for, for some time, I think. So, because that looked bad. I hope it's not as bad as it looked, but it kind of looked, looked bad. And, and right, even if it isn't as bad injury-wise, with a situation like that, man, you give them some time to make sure that nothing is really going on that you can't see, you know? Yeah. So, enough about the whole situation there. By the way, did you notice that John Crotty had a lot of – he replaced the word situation with action tonight? A lot of a lot of action, he, he said. So, there's our – there's our John oh, Crotty observation. Crotty knows of, of that the, there's a situation, <laughs> situation going on. Yeah, there's an action situation going on. So now there's an action situation because there was a situation, situation. <laughs> there's our Crotty nugget of the podcast. So you want to talk about anything else regarding Denver? I, I, I'm kind of done with this game. I, I really. Yeah, man. I we we both checked out of it, but I, I, just to kind of tie a ball around it, and you saw it from the opening Denver shot, and this guy is one of those other guys from Denver that always killed us. Will Barton stepped right into that first three-point shot, and, I mean, he, he just he looked like he had been wanting to take that shot all day, and he drilled it, and he continued to do the same thing all night long. So you could see from that shot on that he was going to be a problem, and, again, to a tune of, let's say, 25 points on seven of nine from three, five rebounds and six dimes. You know, he was that guy all night long. So you can't let him beat you. Um, but either way, we, we've talked about how this game has closed. The results didn't even matter after the joke, quote, thing is did what he did. 
Um, and we'll see him in November, as you mentioned, well, later in November. Yeah. Kind of, kind of had a little bit of life there in the third quarter, but then Joker came in and then the game was out of hand again. Heat cut it to, I believe, like 13 in the third quarter, and I thought we had a chance, but then... Yep, they got it to as low as 13. I think they even got it to 14 again in the fourth. Yeah. Anyway, let's discuss the previous game uh, for the Miami Heat in Miami. A win against the Utah Jazz, a game that Miami kind of really, I wouldn't say dominated. Well, they did dominate for long stretches there up until the final couple minutes At of the least fourth for a quarter. quarter and a half, man. I mean, from the second quarter, okay, let's even go from the end of the first half, the very end of the first half through the third quarter. Because like I said, up until five minutes in the fourth, they had managed to go up by almost 20 on Utah. So, I mean, dominated isn't too strong of a word, as long as, you know, we include the fact that they made a run. And it was really weird because the major, the majority of the Jazz run came with Hassan Whiteside on the floor and Rudy Gobert on the bench, which was, I found fascinating, to say the least. But it was mostly not on Mitchell just killing killing the Heat. He was just making shots left and right. He's amazing. Uh, I do hope that that jersey, that picture with him on the D-Way Heat jersey, recreating the iconic This Is My House moment back when they did the NBA 75th anniversary promo. I hope that's a precursor of him one day wearing a Heat jersey because he looks fantastic in those in that jersey. Anyway, enough about bringing enough about the agenda. Let's talk about the game. What did you like about the game for the Heat? What did you not like? Specifically for me, man, um, when you look at the Utah Jazz, you're talking about uh, if you're not talking to Miami Heat, the other best team in the NBA, even still after this Denver loss, um, you're talking about the top team in the West, and you're also talking about a team who has for the last couple of years consistently found themselves near the top of the standings. And even though they haven't had the playoffs success they you know, wanted to have, you can use them as a barometer for where you are as a team. Um, and like you said, or like you hesitated to say, which I kind of chimed in on, we dominated them at certain points and for good stretches of the ball game, even up until, like mentioned, that five-minute portion um, with the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter where they, you know, decided to make that run. But something specific that really stuck with me from that game, which I guess would be infuriating when you think about the Denver game, um, Bam Adebayo really lived in – manipulated that mid-range game against Utah wonderfully. And as I've mentioned in previous years, a part of me begging for Bam to shoot, it's a make-or-miss league, and he's not going to make all of his shots. But at the end of the day, and even if he's not making the shots, only good stuff will happen. Well, if he makes the shot, that's just it. That's the good thing. But even if he doesn't make the shot, the defense has to react to that. Rudy Gobert can't necessarily stand by the rim if he has to definitely come out and contest Bam Adebayo's shots. The entirety of the defense has to move. Even when the guy moves, who's to say Bam can't drive and go pump fake and go past him. I mean, there's just a ton of different things that are bound to happen when Bam is taking the good looks that he's had in the past. And, of course, he's been more prone to do that this season. And that's what he did against Utah. You saw him light him up from the mid-range, which eventually pulled Rudy Gobert from the rim. And then the Miami Heat were able to eat there and weren't as worried about him dominating. Yeah, also helps when Kyle Lowry is hitting his shots consistently and playing the way well, he did. Well, that's always going to help. Always going to help. 
playing the way he did against Utah. And, you know, the BAM aspect of it makes, as you said, the loss tonight against Denver much, much more frustrating. Right. And I have been... And and I had been missing that point, not to cut you off, but but before you, because it might facilitate your point. And he flipped it off from both sides. So in the first half, he was more crisp and more sharp defensively, but he wasn't giving you anything in the offense. And near the end of the first half, progressing on through the second half, you saw him start to attack the rim with reckless abandon. It's just like he was determined he was going to explode towards the rim. And if you foul him, you foul him. Um, also, and that's what hey, hey. happened. Go ahead. Let's go back quickly to that Denver game. The rest were shit the entire game, and well, I that, hate well, blaming. See, that's, well, that's what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about a lot of that, though, because he had to. They no, they were terrible, bro. And and we're not blaming the refs. We got beat by Denver, but the refs certainly didn't help. And that's something that I want to touch on too. But what I was saying about Bam is you never got it both. You never got it on both sides in Denver, which is what frustrated you from game to game when you're looking at the Utah game and the Denver. Now towards the foul situation and the rest, which you were mentioning. Terrible, bro. Probably some of the worst officiating we've seen all year. And I can point to something, I mean, something that we've all known, which is they have a target on Duncan Robinson's back, and all he has to do is be on the court, and he's already going to have three fouls by the end of the first quarter. But there was this one sequence tonight where I think it was like two Denver guys under the rim and Duncan Robinson, and they all were just going for the rebound. Nobody was hardly touching anybody. And not only did Duncan get out-rebounded, meaning the guy just leaped over top of him and got the rebound, but the ref blew a whistle. So Duncan drew a foul for being out-rebounded. That's all he did. Oh, and that and that double team, I, I think it was in the third quarter or second quarter, they they double-teamed a Denver player. Oh, no, no, no. That right, was the right in the corner. No, no, that one too. Where they're at the top corner, the top far side corner, and like they're just trapping him. And it's almost like if I see Duncan Robinson in, in, in two, you know, two less space, blow the whistle. But no, that was another egregious call. I mean, that was egregious, but you could see it because of all of the contact. You could see, even if we know it's not a foul, he has a chance to make a case because there's a lot of contact. JJ, what I'm telling you is on this foul is there was nothing going on. The other, they were all, you know when you go to get a rebound and you're kind of gathered, kind of crouched? Yeah. Everybody was crouched. And the guy who went and got the rebound, I want to say it might have been Jeff Green, he was just jumping. He was just jumping. And the ref blew the whistle. That, those, let's, let's count. I got another, a couple gripes with tonight's officiating. I hate using the refs or bad excuse or whatever. But it's you can't hide it. The refs were absolutely terrible tonight. They, I don't, I don't even know what to say because the, they were so bad. That Miss Gordon, they Miss Gordon on on a walk. The guy just so clearly twice. walked he, twice, at least twice. This the first one when he dipped the ball through, took three steps and then floated and did the kind of lean into the right jumper in the first half. Do you remember that were, one? Yeah, I do remember that one. I. That one in the back of my head I thought wasn't that a travel, but I I he didn't pay much. Steps, JJ. I didn't pay much attention to that one. However, the one he did in front of the heat bench and the what, ref what was Spoh, right there. Even Spo was calling it. I mean, in the moment you saw it, the guy moved his pivot foot before he. Ugh, it was a clear travel, and the ref was right there, and he just didn't do anything. And Gordon is infamous for that. This isn't the first year where I found myself asking, isn't he traveling? He does that all the time, and I don't know how we get away with it, but 
Um, those are definitely two occasions where he got away with it tonight. Well, you know, here on Monday night against Denver, again, as we're recording on Monday night right after the Denver game. Um, you can also look at another situation, man. There was this one play early in the game where the Heat had a transition bucket and Bones Highland from the uh, Nuggets to point guard fouled Tyler Hero after he already threw the lob Oh, yeah, to the, the lob. And then yes. they took away they the points. they stopped the play. They took the bucket and stopped the play. Well, he didn't foul him until after he threw the lob. So typically, the buckets are supposed to count and he get the foul. If it's simultaneous yeah. or afterwards, the buckets are supposed to count. <sighs> no, no, the refs were putrid. The refs were putrid. But again, we're not blaming the loss on the refs because Denver played better ball for three and a half quarters at least. Yeah, they they thoroughly outplayed the Heat. There's no there's no denying it. Listen, no ifs ands buts about it. But again, not to get too far away from it, the refs were terrible. Oh yeah, okay. They were, they were as so, I like to say, they were ass. Yeah, well, they, 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 yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. So uh, enough about this. Yeah, let's talk about and, and, Utah enough, game, man. And, enough about this goddamn Denver game. So. <laughs> Do we need to tie ball around Utah? I think we said our our piece in. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, the Bam thing, and then the the discrepancy and the polarity. He 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 was everywhere in Utah, or he did exactly what he needed to do, and then in Denver, he reverted a little bit, and you know, and it's not his fault, but it certainly didn't help. Although I will say, I really liked a couple of possessions in U- the Utah game where Mike Conley. Got Bam switch on him, and I don't know if Mike Conley read the scouting report, but he couldn't shake Bam to save his life. Which which takes me to another point. We'll see. Remember how I said you couldn't seem to get it on both sides from Bam in the first half? He seemed to be more crisp on defense, and then on the second half, it was like all of his powers had shifted to offense. Because in the second half, um, not only did I see— Do you think the knee was affecting him in that second half? You know what? I didn't really think about that, even though after he bumped knees the second time, he still was hobbling. I didn't really think about that, but you might have a point because there was a time where Monte Morris drove past him and just finished, and that never happens to Bam. Right. It was so weird. I was like, whoa, Bam, he just blew past Bam. That never happens. And not only did he blow past Bam, but he blew past him, had enough space to change gears so that he could let Bam ride his back enough so that he could keep him from blocking the shot. Oh, no. Like, that never happens. Yeah. Let's preview the Lakers game on Wednesday. Lakers, Heat, national TV game. 11 p.m. start for me down here in PR. By the way, it's 1.11 a.m. down here. But hey, He's a soldier, guys. He's dedicated. I love my team, and I love doing this. So thank you for listening. Anyway. Absolutely. Let's just be real, man. Let's just get this out the way. This isn't the big game of the pair for me. I think we should beat the Lakers pretty handily especially after coming off this loss, especially with tempers being flared after the whole jokish thing. And again, it's a different type of progression. You'll have days to cool off. But let's just also put it like it is. The Lakers aren't that good. By the way, as we speak, the Lakers are playing. They currently trailed the Charlotte Hornets 76-68 to 68 in L.A. Mm. So, You mean the yeah. team that we beat and held them, you know, almost 20 below their season scoring average at the time? By the way, the team with the worst defensive rating in the league right now. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, the Lakers, they ain't got they ain't that good fellas. 
They are. <laughs> they ain't that good, fella. <laughs> They're Westbrook. Uh, I, listen, I don't want to engage in Russell. Yeah, I don't want to engage in Russell tough. Westbrook discourse. So that's tough. I mean, because if you look at it. In his time in Houston and his time in Washington, he started off slow too, but he eventually picked it up. However, being in Tinseltown with the pressure of winning a title, not just competing, you can't afford to be getting behind 10 games early. You can't and, you afford know, the, to – go ahead. The point of bringing him in was whenever LeBron had to miss a game, which – Russell before, would step up and be that superstar in his place. Yeah. And so far, it has been so, so not, not that. And AD, listen, AD is an incredible player. He is, but he's made of glass. I mean, well, I'm not going to question an NBA player's toughness. But no, 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 the guy, I, didn't say he, I didn't say he wasn't tough. No, 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 I, I, I was going to say, because I was going to bring up the the stomach thing. He exited last game with the... With the stomach thing, and then they they put in the injury report that he had an, a sprained finger. Right. Well, see, and that's more what I'm speaking about. I'm not speaking about his toughness. Toughness means, yeah, will he play through some stuff? And he has throughout his career. But when I say he's made of glass, I'm not knocking him. My whole point is this. There are just some guys, man, that they're more prone to getting hurt than others. And AD is one of those guys. It seems like every game he hurts, tweaks, or injures something. And every game, he's on the floor five and six times, and you hold your breath if you like the guy, if you're a fan of that team, or if you bet on him. Because every time he hits the floor, you think, oh, he didn't tore something all to pieces. And you can even look at something as simple as the other night where he's jammed that finger or sprained that finger or contuted that finger, whatever you want to call it. It was a routine, you know, attempted steal, attempted swipe. But even those quote-unquote routine plays can see AD have an injury that can dramatically impact his performance or keep him out a week, and that's what I mean. Yeah. About the Lakers, we touch on two-thirds of the big three, but we haven't talked about the guy that's not going to play against the Heat. I was going to say, yeah, because he's not playing. LeBron James. <laughs> Very quickly, I think we're reaching the end. I I see the finish line coming up now. I I'm I, I I'm no, I'm not gonna do that. You're not gonna get me to admit that on live air. Nope, I'm not gonna do it. Nope, that's my goat. Nope, not gonna do it. You gotta, you know it's you know you already. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. La 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 la. I can't you can't you. run from it from ever for forever, Kenneth. Anyway, uh, yeah. Let's move on. Expect, Let's please move on. I, I expect the Heat to win this game. Not handily, but I expect them to win this game. Even Get after the LeBron after we play you guys, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we should win this game. Com- I wouldn't say comfortably, but we should win this yeah, game. Yeah, man. I mean, I hate to put a number on it, man, but this shouldn't be a stressful game. The Lakers aren't that good, bro. I mean, it's. I, I put it to you like this. If we come out again, as I alluded to in earlier in the podcast, we're not as bad as we've been against Denver or Boston and even Indiana because, like I said, we didn't start playing terrible into that game until the fourth quarter in the overtime. Um, but we're, we may not be as good if we, as we were against Milwaukee on opening night, but you can count on the fact that we're definitely better than or somewhere in the middle. And if we can do that, we should still beat the Lakers by 10. 
let's let's use the Utah game as a barometer. Although, oh, we LA beat them by twenty. If, if we play like we played against Utah, we beat them by twenty. LA is nowhere near Utah, so yeah, that would be what a, I'm saying. because. <laughs> and we're up forty, and the nineteen point run at five minutes only gets them to within twenty. Hopefully, the Heat defense starts to pick up because these last two games have been. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm starting to like get a bit concerned because. The Nuggets were one of the worst offensive teams coming into the game. You know that? They were 27th in offensive rating, and they were dead last in three-point percentage. So they weren't very good. I I agree with you, man. I I agree with you. Hold on. Let me put some there. I agree with you, right? But when you have extraordinary things happen, I don't look into that as much because that isn't trend-based. That isn't – you have anomalies is what I'm saying. And back to Monte Morris. Monte Morris has scored all 10 of his points in the first quarter. That's an anomaly. Can we agree? Yeah. Okay. Monte Morris is not the type of guy. No disrespect to him. Right. No, he's a good, he's a good fundamental sound ball player. You love to have him as a point guard. Make the right play, play good defense, has size, athleticism, all that jazz. But he scored his 10 points in the first quarter. Granted, he didn't finish with 14, but that's a hell of a boost and a lead or a jump start, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, Will Barton. Now, if you look. Let, let me. Don't put the RSHK label on Will Barn because the guy is not a scrub. The guy is really good. Oh, no, 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 no. Definitely. That's why I never call him a random scrub heat killer, but he's always a guy. Notice how I said it. I didn't call him that. I said he's always a guy that kills us, though, right? Yeah, just it was just as a precaution. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to make sure we were on the same page, brother. Look, I'm never arguing with you, but I'm not going to let you put words in my mouth either, JJ. In any event. <laughs> so... A career 35.1% shooter from range, shooting 32.7%, only making 1.8 of 5.4 attempts this season. You want to know what he shot against us? What did he shoot against us? He shot 7 of 9 from 3 for 25 points. Anomaly. I mean, so that's why I say, yeah, we weren't great, but there were some – just outlier type things happening tonight too. Shenanigans going on. Absolutely. And you know, we're used to that, especially after last year where Malik Monk and, and, and Matt Thomas and, and, and Brandon Goodwin Goodwin and the Milwaukee Bucks came and made a thousand threes on us. I mean, we're used to that, but it doesn't make any feel any better. And that doesn't mean that we can't be better to try to stop that from hurting us so much. So I do agree with you. We do need to be better. But there are just certain situations that can't be explained, even when you look at the stats or how it happened. You know who's on the Lakers when we play them on Wednesday? Who, man? I know you're going to tell me. I know who you're talking about, but go ahead and tell the world. Malik Monk. Yes, but he's only been playing 13 minutes a game, so let's hope that he don't automatically, or let's just hope Frank Vogel don't magically decide to give him 30, because if he do, I'm going to go ahead and turn the game off. (laughs) Nope, you can't can't turn the game off. we got a game to cover. Okay, you're right, you're right. Clippers Heat. Now this one, I mean, yeah, this isn't the same. This isn't the same Clippers team as last year, but we did have two really tough clunkers against them last Absolutely. year, and I remember them vividly because they it scares were... me for several reasons. They're a tough, scrappy team, whether people want to admit it or not. Lose not PG a is terrible a superstar. coach, huh? Yeah, PG is, he still can he still can give you buckets. They're a scrappy team. They're deeper than a lot of people want to give them credit for, and. On a back to back, on a back to back, and after playing, even for as bad as the LA Lakers team has been, you know, thus far, after playing them on Wednesday night, this is a scary game for me. Yeah, it feels like a 
sort of like a trap game. I wouldn't call it a trap game because the Clippers are not like this terrible right. game, trap game. Not trap a game classic would be, would be, trap game, but a trap game nonetheless because of schedule, a scheduled trap game. Yeah. This is a type of game that if you win, you feel really good about yourself. If you Absolutely. don't, you, you start like, well, are we are we those guys? I still believe my team are, are those type of guys, but hey, I would like to see them win. You know this what? One. It depends on how it happens, though, man. Because let's say if they lose the Clippers game by three points, so they lose the Clippers game on the last possession. No, we're a better team than the Clippers, and we should beat them. But on the road, second night of a back-to-back, if you lose a really tough, close, hard-fought game, I can't really be discouraged. If you get blowed out, then I do have those same questions that you have. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I think I I align with your sentiment there. If we lose... I don't know, by a couple possessions, by five points or eight or whatever. And we fight until the end. You know, I'm not feeling really good, but I'm just like, oh, well, it's a second night for back-to-back. And those are, this, is a, this isn't a bad team, a good, a well-coached team. So, yeah. Absolutely. Take- PG's still a superstar. Eric Bledsoe's experience in a resurgence. Reggie Jackson's still playing decent ball. I mean, they got a couple of guys over there. Nothing like as talented as we are, but at their place with the energy that tends to be in that building when Steve Ballmer's sitting in the front row acting like a nut. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being real, JJ. Come on now. You see the man's eyes about to roll out of his head when somebody score a bucket. I mean, the oh, guy yeah. is, hey, look, he's energy. You you can't buy that kind of energy. I'll give him that. But, I mean, he yeah, man. He is a fan. I, oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just a fan with a whole lot of money. Yeah. So I expect to, like you said, man, I expect to win this game, but as long I expect to win this game, I won't be terribly I'm upset anytime we lose, but I won't be terribly upset if it's a couple possession game and it comes down to a hard ball game because I still respect PG. I still respect some of the ballers they got over there. Um I'm, now I will say this. I'll be interested, I will be, and it doesn't have anything to do with that game. I will be watching Marcus Marcus Morris's Twitter or if he has an Instagram or anything. Because I want to know how he feels about his brother's situation. Because, you know, those twins, they funny about each other, and especially that set. Oh, yeah. Very, they're very, very close, as per reports, and they've said it themselves. So, yeah. I, well, yeah, you see, you see one uh, of well, them at you, the other's playoff games all the time. When one of them gets eliminated, the other one's sitting right there front row. You know what? If Marcus Morris, his knee injury situation gets better, and if they get a chance to play Denver, I know he'll have some for... Jokic, maybe, maybe his team won't appreciate it because you know. You know he, what? I hadn't thought about that, JJ, but I am a thousand percent with you. Yeah, so maybe we should. And Jokic watch will know more. what it's for. Jokic will definitely know what it's for. Oh, it's for the other guy that looks like him. <laughs> so Saturday night rematch against the Utah Jazz. Well, Saturday evening. It's a five p.m. game, East Eastern time. So. Around 2 p.m. West Coast. Absolutely, and we'll Weird be start back time with for you guys. Game. Yeah, we'll be back with you guys again on Friday before that game, though. But um, just worth a mention, especially coming off the last Utah game. Interested to see um, if Bam can continue to bounce back over the course of these next couple of games, and of course with the Utah game coming up next Saturday, and how we spoke to how he performed against Utah last Saturday. With those games, it, well, with these games sandwiched in between that, I think you'll get to see an interesting cross-section of his performances because at the very least, you don't expect him to be one way against Gobert and Utah last Saturday 
and come out and be the guy that we think we saw against Denver next Saturday, do you? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Um, just, I won't lie, I'm a bit worried about his knee. That, oh, no, I think I'm, that's a, the, I'm extremely concerned about the knee. As, as Agreed, I agree with you. Because, because even I after think the knee bump, he played, but he was still hobbling. I think that's the same knee that cost him to miss the Memphis game, which we ended up winning, but yeah. It was his you left knee, Bam, if I'm not missing. That, well, that's the one he bumped tonight, the left. And yeah, you want yeah, Bam so. as close to 100% as possible. So, Either way, man. Uh, he's... You know, this week's slate against big men is it's gonna be kind of it's it's kind of rough for him. He oh went no, against no, Jokic. not easy at all. Well, he went well against bro, Jokic. no, you you hey, look, brother, you you starting too deep. Think about it. He had Horford, he had Gobert and Whiteside, he had Jokic, Jokic, he had Zubox on Wednesday, AD. and then he has AD, a combination of AD, Dwight, and uh, uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. They all although play. you know. DeAndre Jordan doesn't worry me that Dwight's the one that it's, you know he get he can get a bit. Right, I'll, I'll give you that. But how many teams have multiple seven footers that they can? Even if you're not being that impactful, it's still a seven foot guy that you have to do work against. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I yeah, guess I it's more the saying. volume. The volume there bothers me because then, like I said, you turn around and play Gobert and Whiteside again on Saturday. Yeah, kind of, kind of tough for for a guy. Bam. On the big man department coming and up. And he's not and, and and if we're being honest, Bam is Bam is as brawlic and as athletic if they as they come. But if we're being honest, he's undersized. Oh yeah. You know who he faces, you know, gets a bit of a break on Monday, but then he goes up against Jonas Valanciunas next Wednesday. But we're not to get too ahead of ourselves. I think this is a got anything else to say, Kent, before we wrap this up? No, nah, man, I think we've said a plenty tonight. Um I mean I think that, you know, Jimmy Butler said what we were all thinking. Meet us in the back. Oh, yeah. And should be Jimmy, UD, and PJ Tucker going to back against Jokic and his Serbian brothers. That should be. And I think it was Matt Moore who tweeted, if you see an explosion coming out of Denver, it's because Jimmy went against Jokic's brothers. So, yeah. That will be a hell of a fight. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm Jimmy and a little we because we look at Jimmy and come, I know we're not having a game of fighting, but we're hypothetical. We, we, you know, we're just hypothetically expressing our anger here as basketball fans. Listen, we see Jimmy in comparison to the rest of these guys, right? But what you got to think about in the real in real life, Jimmy's six seven. Jimmy ain't no little dude. Oh no, and he's strong, strong as a bull. Right, so. right, exactly. I mean, he routinely guards power forwards and check centers for a couple of minutes of possession or something. So you know he has some strength to go along with it. But and he's mean, man, and he's nasty. So that's a little extra sum too. So enough about enough about that whole situation yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't want to think about it anymore, man. It was awful. Let's let's just yeah. move on. Let's just wait until November 29th. I want, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> You have so, that date circled already, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be watching that game really closely. Hopefully, by the first quarter, everybody gets their thing in. And Absolutely. Miami ends up blowing out Denver. And you brought up another good point as we close here, man. I got to check and see. Um, well, hopefully, his brother's back on the floor. But I am interested to see if Marcus, you know, reacts to Jokic and knowing what he did to his brother. Yeah. So... With that being said, thank you for listening to this we to this episode of the Three O Five Culture together, Podcast. Get it together, JJ. <laughs> I'm still getting used to it. To this episode of Three O Five Culture Podcast, we'll be coming back to you next Friday. This Please, Friday, 
yeah, this Friday. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the algorithm, and you can leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you could do that, we really appreciate it. It helps the show grow. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. And where can they find you on social media, JJ? They can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at J-J-R-I-V as in Victor E-R-A-N-B-A. And on Instagram, you can find me at JRivera98. That's J-A-I-R-O-R-I-V as in Victor, once again, E-R-A-98. And where can we find you, my friend? On Twitter, you can find me at K said K. That's K underscore said S A I D underscore K Q U E. Again, K underscore said underscore K. And on Instagram, you can find me at I am K Cirrus, all one word. That's I A M K C I R R U S. Again, I am K Cirrus on Instagram. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate that you appreciate us. And we just hope that you stick around so that we can stick around. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to this episode. See you later in the week. Bye-bye.